The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Sands fan. All right, this week on the show, we're going to do a little bit of a rookie check-in. We've seen 22 games of Suns basketball so far, and we're going to highlight in on Cam Johnson and a little bit of Ty Jerome on that. And then afterwards, we'll be recapping the games from last week. And preview the ones coming up this week against the Timberwolves, Grizzlies, and Spurs. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five star review and a comment, and you will get a shout out on the show. And a check in with our trivia challenge that we do each each week, where we guess a stat. So I paid that off recently for all of those who were concerned. I lost last month, and. Um, this past week, I moved to 0-1, Chuck moved to 1-0, Kelly Oubre points is what we were guessing in the game against the Magic. He had eight points, Charlie guessed 18, I guessed 20, so he was closer. We were both way off, but whatever. So starting December now, Charlie is 1-0, I'm 0-1. Shout out to our Twitter participants, at Sundarus Dunks and at Comic Evangelist, who both guessed 19 and were the closest. Unfortunately, he only had eight, but congratulations to Sundarus Dunks and Comic Evangelist, who are both great follows on Twitter. So go follow those guys. We're all as confident in Kelly as Kelly is in, in him. Oh, Jesus. As Kelly <laughs> is in himself. As Kelly is in himself. We might just have to cut that entire thing out because that's probably going to sound weird. Just say it again. Just say it again. Now I got to think of it. We're so, all as confident in Kelly as he is, as, as he is in himself. So it looks like we're all as confident in Kelly as I believe he is in himself. All right. I think okay. that's true. Let's do it. Let's get into the rookie check-in. And we're excited about Cameron Johnson is the reason we want to do this little segment right here. He's been... Definitely exceeding expectations, my own at least. And Mitch, I think you're in that boat as well. And I'm sure oh, yeah. many, oh, yeah. many of you listeners are pleasantly surprised in Cam Johnson. And it, it all revolves around the shooting stroke. He has been a joy to watch when he gets any bit of space out on the arc this year. You just feel like it's going in. He is shooting almost five threes per game at this point, And he's making two per game. That's 41% from downtown. For a rookie, that's that's wonderful. And especially a guy who's 6'8", who can do a little bit of everything on the floor. This guy has a lot going for him, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to turn into as a pro. I've been really happy with Cam Johnson as well. I did not have high expectations at all. I didn't think he would even be playing this much. 
but it just happened that he is playing more than expected. His shot is great. It's very pure. He's great at hitting these threes. I think one thing that really surprises me, though, is he is on the floor during crunch time a lot. We've seen him guard LeBron before. He, he's been put into the big situations right off the bat, and he's handled it fairly well. His defensive numbers aren't anything spectacular, but I feel like he's doing a, a halfway decent job on defense, especially for a rookie. And uh, knock on wood, of course, with the injuries, but that was a concern that a lot of people had. Yep, you're right. And the only thing that we've seen out of Cam Johnson was that little injury bug that he went through. He was sick for the last few games, but it sounds like he's doing better now. And he missed the first two games games of the season. He, it looked like he was inactive. I know he had an injury in preseason, but I don't think that was too much to worry about because he's been going consistently since then. Right. Since coming back, he just had the flu or a cold or whatever, but he looked fine even then. Right. And something that I was looking into today is I pulled up every shooting guard, small forward type build player that was drafted before Cam Johnson. And I was just looking at their stats. So guys like RJ Barrett, Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Reddish are kind of the guys I was comparing him to. And if you look down the stats, he is playing fewer minutes per game than all these guys, but he's averaging pretty similar amount of points to them. But he is... The shooting numbers is where he really sets himself apart. He's shooting 43.4 from the floor right now and 41.2 from three. So those are those are big numbers. And then the next best guy, uh, we have DeAndre Hunter. He's shooting 39.6 from the field, 36 from downtown. That's, that's nothing uh, to scoff at. Those are pretty decent numbers, but... You just look what Cam Johnson is doing in fewer minutes. It, it makes it really impressive. Right. And that's a major difference between Cam Johnson and the next best of that group. That's really nice. I think our offense is really suited for Cam Johnson as well. Whipping the ball around or trying to whip the ball around at least. Not always succeeding, but for the most part. Moving the ball around, having him spot up in the corner and have him be that guy who gets the extra pass thrown to him and have him just shoot from there, spotting up. A lot of times he's wide open because defenses are keying in on Devin Booker or someone's cutting, which we've been doing much better at that lately. Yes. But yeah, this is this is perfect for Cam Johnson. And I know that three-point shooting is his main thing, but I feel like the last few games, he's been doing a good job of getting to the rim a little bit more and starting to cut some more on his own as he gets more comfortable with uh, the NBA pace and play style and our offense. Right. He has nice touch at the rim, and you can look back to his college career where he got a lot of his buckets in the fast break. And he, even with pressure on that fast break, he was very solid at finishing those. So he's he's used to that. He's not just a shooter, but really we're not asking him to do a ton more than that at this point, but that's something he can build on. Yeah, he may be the ever the oldest rookie ever or whatever. I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's not true. But yeah, he's he's up there in age compared to a lot of the guys in the draft class, but you can see him and there's still room to build. He has the athleticism, 
He has the stroke, the potentials there. So yeah, I'm excited about it. And then you look at Jarrett Culver. I think that's the guy that a lot of a lot of us wanted at that time or were expecting us to get. And you know, he's playing 24 minutes per game and his his stat line looks very similar to Cam's in, you know, almost between four and five more minutes per game. He just gets one more assist than what Cam gets. But then he's shooting 37% from the floor and 26 from three. And we needed floor spacers on this roster. And that that's not what Jarrett Culver can do. That's not part of his game right now. But meanwhile, Cam Johnson can come in and space the floor right now. I'm so happy with this pick. Yeah, I wasn't 100% all in when it happened. No one was. But James Jones knew something that a lot of a lot of GMs didn't even consider and especially us fans no one saw Cam Johnson getting picked 11 but I don't regret it no I don't really either at this point I was pretty critical at first as well but it's worked out really well and kind of found a diamond in the rough at this point I've seen people compare this pick to the Devin Booker situation where people didn't really know exactly what he would be. Now, I'm not trying to compare Cam to Booker. Devin Booker is a much different situation. But, you know, guys that are picked around the same spot that, you know, there was a lot more known about Cam Johnson for sure because he played a lot longer. But just those diamond in the rough kind of guys. So um, I'm happy with it. All right, so another reason why we did this segment was the other day when we were just chatting, you said you think that Cam Johnson has a chance at making an all-rookie team. Are you still thinking that? At this point, yeah. I mean, it's still early in the season, but I think Cam Johnson could make the all-rookie first team at this point. First we've seen team. some, yeah, we've seen some underwhelming performances thus far from rookies. Now, this could all change. Like, Trey Young is a great example. Last year, Trey Young started off really, really slow, and then the second half of the season just went off and figured it out. Now, that could happen for a handful of guys. But up to this point, I think Cam Johnson is one of the, you know, I, th- I think he warrants all-rookie first team. Oh, that might be a little much, even for me, who, who <laughs> loves Cam Johnson and is a son's homer. I can see a second team being pretty realistic if he keeps up this pace. But another thing we should maybe talk about, I don't know if we want to, maybe we add this to our uh, Buy My Dinner Bet series. <laughs> Make this be worth a whole month or something. That'd be fun. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to commit that much to it. Okay. Money. <laughs> okay. No, that's that's cool. Though. Um, you know, looking back at some of the older teams, I'm trying to see if they're. It doesn't really matter what position you're playing. To make it, it looks like there were four guards and a center on the second team last year. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Again, we're missing. We haven't seen Zion play many games. He's he's due to come back soon. Yes, and that's part of it. We haven't seen Zion yet. That makes a huge difference. Right, and speaking of a a big number one overall pick coming back to a team, we're about to get Aiton back too. And then Baines should be 
about ready to go soon enough as well. So this is going to throw a little bit of a wrench into what we've been getting used to lately, seeing so much of Bridges, Johnson, and Ubre. Those guys are playing quite a few minutes night in and night out. But once we get our big centers back, then we don't have Kaminsky playing center, who probably still deserves some backup four minutes once those guys come back. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And the one thing I take away from it is Cam Johnson definitely showed what he can do. And it's very different than what a guy like Mikhail Bridges can do. I'm saying Kelly's definitely slotted into the starting spot, but those minutes, are it's going to be interesting to see how those go. Yeah, and this is a good problem to have. But if you look at the last few games, Cam's been great. Mikhail Bridges has also been great. He's been on a tear. Yes, and Frank has been great. Frank has been playing much better over the last few games. Right. So he, Frank Kaminsky has definitely earned himself some, some minutes at the backup four or third string five. You know, those minutes aren't going to entirely go away. Now, everyone knows this. Even he knows this. He's not going to be getting the same kind of minutes after Aiton and Baines come back. But this is a very good problem to have. These guys have all been playing great over the last mm-hmm. week or so. Absolutely. And who's not to say that Bridges and Johnson don't continue to share the floor with Bridges playing more of uh, the backup two coming into relief Booker at times. Maybe that's right. how it goes. And also, um, yeah, I say we just move it along right here yeah, while we're yeah. talking about guard depth. Let's let's go into Ty Jerome. We've we've gotten to see a little bit of what he has to offer. We've seen Tyler Johnson removed from the lineup as of now. He got in for a few minutes against the Rockets. It, it wasn't a... Let me, let me check that box score, see how many he played. Yeah, he just played four minutes in that game against the Rockets. So it's it's curious what's going on. But let's do, first of all, takeaways from Ty Jerome, what we have seen. What do you think? So far, I like what I see from Ty Jerome. I think we've kind of come down to earth on maybe he's not the next Steve Nash. But I <laughs> think he's solid. I think that he is doing a good job of being in control of the ball. He's made some pretty nice passes. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that when he gets on the court, I'm not too worried. Now, we've said this exact same thing about Tyler Johnson, but I, I think we've seen some more flashes from Ty Jerome of potential, which now this is nice that we're talking about potential with our second round pick instead yeah. of the guy well, who we draft at one through four. But anyway, he, he, he can shoot the three. We've seen him shoot some nice threes. He's got a good shot and he's also hit some pretty nice floaters in the lane. So I've been happy with that. Last few games, numbers have been down. People have really come back down to earth on him, but I'm still happy with this. And it seems like Monty Williams really wanted him to be the backup point guard from the start before all of his injury stuff. So it it seems like, he's just our backup point guard from here on out. That's my guess at least. Yeah, that's, that's really what it looks like too. That's what I think too. And the only game that he ever really, we saw a struggle out of him was that Orlando game where the most of the team couldn't get it going in this one. And Orlando is a big athletic lanky. They're they're a great defensive team. And that's when we saw We've, we've seen Ty Jerome pick up a lot of pressure from his defender 
as soon as he crosses half court. It really did get to him in the Orlando game through a couple bad passes. But, you know, that may have been a the wake up moment. Welcome to the NBA, because we yeah five turnovers in that game. But then in his other three that we've seen him play, only one turnover there. So I'm not worried about him taking care of the ball or making the right pass. I think that's one of his strengths for sure. But I maybe I am a little worried about him taking care of the ball at this point. I'm trying to think of what my, my biggest negative takeaway from him is. And yeah, it's the fact that he's letting himself get pressured. He's not getting he's not making a quick move when he's getting pressured to get away from it he's kind of allowed it i i mean he's been kind of he's trapped himself in the corner once or twice that i remember seeing and yeah this is nitpicky but as a as if if you're going to be playing point guard you have to be a lot more decisive than that and he's four games into his pro career there's time for that definitely and Still at this point, I would rather see him running the backup point guard than Tyler Johnson, even with all of this. With more time, he will continue to adjust to the NBA. Right. And, you know, nothing, I don't have anything bad to say about either Ellie Okobo or Javon Carter at this point either. I think those two have done great in the minutes that they've played. And I've been happy to see that after that Orlando game, we didn't see him get yanked for one of those guys. He played almost about 10 minutes against the Pelicans and over 12 minutes against the Rockets. So Monty does have that faith in him that's become pretty apparent in this little road trip here. Yeah, definitely. And to talk about Javon and Ellie for a second, I think those guys have done great. They probably never expected to play as much as they have this season, and they've done well with what they've been given. So I think that's a big positive, too. Yeah, nice little depth at the point guard position. I'm not worried if any of those guys are in for spot minutes. Right. (laughs) Okay, let's get into the game recaps. Uh, Yeah, four-game road trip here on the week, and the Suns split it two and two. So there's nothing too much to complain about, but I'm sure I'll find something at (laughs) some point here. All right, and first off was the Charlotte Hornets. This was a, a win, 109-104. to 104. And I'm just going to say big shout-outs to Kelly Oubre because without him, this yeah. would have been a, a different story. Oubre won us this game. It was really exciting. I mean, I think this is one of those that we don't see very often. We had a big lead. We lost it. We were down by seven with about a minute left. And we came back and turned that around and won by five. I can't remember the last time we've done that, where we've pushed through and persevered and won a game like this. Oubre hitting back-to-back threes and having big defensive possessions. That's, I mean, that's what he lives for. So that was awesome. Yeah, that that's uh, just icing on the cake. I Kelly does live for that stuff, and he pulled he pulled it through in this one. And this that was after going 0 for 7 from 3. Hadn't made a 3 all night. But when crunch time comes, he's putting it up. And, you know, when he puts up a n- uncontested three-pointer, I'm pretty confident in him his shooting this year. I like seeing him put those up. And he nailed those two. And then two two steals, forcing turnovers at the end of the game with less than a minute left. It was it was crazy. And I'm really glad that, it, that we uh, pulled out a win. 
And because we were up 20 at halftime in this game, uh, we kind of piddled the lead away in the third, the seven-point game heading into the fourth, and it it just got a little dark there. Got a little dark. I was wondering, are we are we falling apart right now? What's what's going on? We've been seeing this happen even more throughout this week as well. So that's something to be concerned about at this point, I'd say. Yeah, these third quarters have been rough. This is a trend we're starting to see. We'll come out pretty hot in the first half and then really just struggle in the third quarter, get a little bit too comfortable. So, I mean, it, I know it's so much easier said than done, obviously, but keep your foot on the gas after halftime. I, w- I want to see us blow out these teams by 30 not struggle in the third quarter and win by five, you know, but I think we're on the path to start doing that. Right. And I think that the old saying is true that you have, you have to learn how to stomp someone out. And we haven't had that chance. We haven't been doing that for years where it's an entirely different team, but the front office, the coaching staff, everybody, Everybody who's related to the Suns in any sort of way, it just hasn't been going well for them. This team has never really stomped anyone. They've never held a 20-point lead throughout a game. And I think that that's something that needs to become learned. And that's the that's the next step. We have to worry about getting over 500 first. Obviously, when we get our big boys back, I think we'll we'll be on route for that. But when we are playing a team that we're better than, that's something generally that we're not even used to. But when we're playing a team that we're better than, we need to learn how to just hold them off once we get that lead. And I don't know what that is, but I have a feeling that Monty Williams is thinking about that, and he's going to try to find a way to at least give them a taste of it. We need to see it. That's going to be a moment that makes you really feel like the Suns are for real. After the start of the year, yeah, we felt that, but there's never been a big... I want to put the hammer down on someone. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is just a long-term goal to be able to stomp teams out, to be able to win those games big and learning how to win is important. And we're starting to do that, but it's still very early in the season. Exactly. Thanks for clearing all that babbling up that I just put out. (laughs) No, no, but they're, they're all good points. And I think we should also highlight Frank Kaminsky's homecoming. I know they did a really nice tribute video. I think they gave everyone in the stands a Frank Kaminsky jersey, which is odd for Charlotte to give out (laughs) Suns jerseys. But, you know, good for them. I know Frank was a cornerstone of their, I'd say, franchise history at this point, wouldn't you? So It goes Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bogues, Frank Kaminsky. And see, I I think I might even put Kaminsky higher than that. But, I mean, this isn't a Hornets podcast. I know Hornets guys are probably talking about Kaminsky left and right here. But really nice. Okay, jokes aside, Frank Kaminsky did have a homecoming, and he played decently. Nothing too much to talk about there. Uh, But our scoring in this game was uh, a little bit more even, a little bit more spread out. And we've seen this throughout the year with Booker and Oubre with 23 points each. And then our next highest score was Sharich, who had 16. And Bridges had one of his great games with 12 points, 8 rebounds, and 2 assists. I just think it's nice. I think about this game a year ago. This is a game that Booker probably would have scored 40-plus and we would have lost a year ago. You know, That's So I'm fine 
I'm so fine with Booker scoring 23 and us winning. And he's said this multiple times that he's fine with his numbers taking a dip as long as we're winning. So, Right, and his assist numbers are great. Heading into the game with the Rockets, we had the highest assisting backcourt duo in the NBA. We barely edged out Harden and Westbrook, but Booker and Rubio lead the league in backcourts and assists. That's fantastic. And if Devin Booker wants to put up six assists per night, that's fine. If he's going to score 20, 20 a night, that's fine, as long as we get a W. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move it on to the Magic game. And is this the most disappointing loss of the year so far? Oh, that's such a good question. I think I think it has to be. Just because the Magic are a team that we could have beat. We really could have. We had a bit of an off night. I also, they were on the second night of a back-to-back. They had played in Washington the night before. And I know they got back to Orlando around 1 or 2 a.m. So I kind of expected us to hold our own a bit more, but... You know, the second and third quarters were just rough. They scored 34 and 38, respectively, in those quarters. It's going to be tough to win those games. Aaron Gordon just bullied us. I know that was one thing we were a little concerned about when we talked about it last week. So, that's tough. Like you said at the beginning, Orlando is this long, athletic, kind of raw team, but with Fultz playing decently, with Aaron Gordon with Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, who all of a sudden can hit threes. I didn't realize he was shooting threes like that now. I mean, it's they have the potential to be a halfway decent team. Yeah, we're talking about a raw basketball team that just went 14 for 25 from downtown for 56%. They shot 57.5 from the floor. You're, n- you're not going to win many games when you're going up against that. So, I But you have to give them credit because... Aaron Gordon was, yeah, he was unstoppable, more or less. He was 13 for 15 from the floor. We did not have a good matchup for him. Maybe you try, Kelly had to be guarding other guys, but if anybody on our roster, I think you have to put Kelly on him. It's it's tough because Gordon's just a, he's a supreme athlete and the finesse and intangibles are really coming around and he's turning into a great player. 32 points on the game. And then, Something that's getting to me is Terrence Ross. He's a good shooter. I I was going to say the exact same thing. (laughs) Okay. Good shooter. He had 22 on the night. I think that that was his uh, high in points for the season. So he he definitely showed out. But so many open shots, just wide open. And it seems like this happens so often that we're leaving shooters so wide open for three. And I know... If we get the chance, we try to run him off, which I, I like that we do that. But there's not even anyone close enough to run him off his spot. And it's just automatic for these guys. They're pro basketball players. If you leave them wide open, they're going to be hitting them. But, I mean, how many wide open shots did J.J. Reddick get against us in the next game? It, right. it seems yeah. like this has been a trend lately. And it seems like the rotation is just always a step behind. And I don't know what to point quite at that. Maybe it's Sharich down low, not being able to get out to the perimeter whatsoever on a lot of these cases, 
or if we're just getting burnt too too much at the beginning. I don't know what it is, but there's there's too many guys wide open who shouldn't be wide open. Right, and I think it's tough in a game like this when Aaron Gordon goes five for five from three. He's, I mean, he's not going to do that on a nightly basis. Mo Bamba, two for two from three. Again, not going to do that on a, on a nightly basis. Terrence Ross was three for six. And then Evan Fournier, who's a good shooter, went three for seven. But those are guys you just can't leave wide open. And we were a step behind. And this is something we've been saying for a couple weeks now. Perimeter defense. Our rotations on defense are slow to the perimeter. I mean, in the modern NBA, we're going to get burned consistently if this continues. Yep, that's very true. Their bench, looking at the plus-minus for them, uh, Ross, Augustine, Iwundu, and Bamba were plus 18, 23, 20, and 14. So they they just had a stretch where they must have just – eaten our lunches to give that up and yeah that was against our bench who seems to play pretty well looking at the box score they put up a lot of our points our starters didn't really get it going we had mikhail with 15 in this one cam had 12 diallo had 16 like it's nice seeing that production from them but they they definitely got outplayed which is something that really hasn't been happening this year much Right. Uh, But one starter who had a great game was our friend, Frank Kaminsky. 23 points on 10 for 12 shooting. Possibly Frank's best game of the season. It was probably the best half of his life. In the first half, I think he had 21 points. (laughs) He had 21 in the first half. And then two in the second half. And that, that hurt, too, because we were leaning on Frank early. And then once his production went out the window, we we just... We didn't have enough to to fight back. Right, and that's never going to be a good sign either when we're leaning on Frank Kaminsky. Leaning on Frank the third. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you there. Ah, good old Franklin. Is it Franklin or Francis? Chime in on Twitter. I'm interested in if people think his full name is Franklin or Francis. Because I alternate between the two. I think I lean more towards Franklin. Yeah, well, at Sunny and PHX Pod, let us know on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that'll make sense. Like f- five tweets that just say Franklin. Maybe I'll there. put a poll. I'll put a poll. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. It's time. It's time it's for a time. poll. It is time. At Sunny and PHX Pod, <laughs> check that out. Okay, let's move it on to the Pelicans, and this was an overtime win. Suns come away. 139 to 132 after outscoring the Pelicans by seven in that overtime, 14 to seven. So to break this one down, their starters were really solid in this game. They had four of their starters go for over 20 points. Jackson Hayes had 17. And somehow their bench played poor enough to lose the game for them, more or less, is the way I'm going to look at it. Right. Well, and this is such an interesting game to look at, too, because the Pelicans had a great first quarter. They scored 40 in the first quarter, but we kept up. We scored 38. And then we had a big second quarter. Booker went off in the third quarter, and then we just fell apart in the fourth. So it it was an interesting kind of back-and-forth momentum-shifting game. Right, and that's 
that kind of goes along with how I was saying we can't stomp a team out. Not that we ever had the chance to, but after that third quarter, we outscored them by 12 in the third quarter. And then we couldn't keep that pace up. And they almost doubled us up in the fourth. Good thing that if they would have doubled us up, they would have won in regulation. But uh, seeing us come through in that overtime to win feels really nice. And the guy we got to talk about is Devin Booker here. And this is after, it seems like a couple weeks of everything I see on Twitter or Reddit is how Devin Booker needs to be more aggressive. He needs to take over. And in this game, he did. 44 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists. He was 13 for 23 from the floor, 5 for 11 from downtown, and a perfect 13 for 13 from the line. So we were waiting for a Devin Booker game like this, and we got it, and every one of those points was needed. Right, and that's exactly what happens. The other thing that's so interesting in this game is we out-rebounded the Pelicans. That's not going to happen very often without Baines and Aiton. So we we out-rebounded them 51 to 40 and we had 19 offensive rebounds as compared to their six that makes a huge difference yeah and that makes me think of zion again right away because he's going to be a he's going to help them out in that department a lot but they're just too skinny if if brandon ingram and jackson hayes are your two big boys out there for the most part they're going to get bullied around by anybody and Kelly had six offensive rebounds in this game. Frank had four. That's ten offensive rebounds between Kelly (laughs) and Frank Kaminsky, who have no business doing anything like that. And when I looked at the stat sheet, I was going to assume that Dario had quite a few because it seems like lately he's really been doing some work on the offensive glass, but he he had two in this one, which is good. But, I mean, yeah, when we're going to get 19 offensive rebounds, that's... That's a second chance points, 13 second chance points. Not not great on all those rebounds, but that that was a that makes a big difference. It does. Well, and Kelly had 15 total rebounds and then we'll get to this a little bit later, but Cam Johnson had 6 rebounds. He's not a guy who gets a ton of rebounds. He averages 3 3 even on the season so far. So, you know, and then Booker getting 8 that's going to make a nice difference. Yep. And something about Kelly Oubre in this game, he played 47 minutes. He played f- almost five more minutes than Booker did in this one. And he really filled it up. 14 points, a poor shooting night, six for 21 from the floor. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but those six offensive rebounds with his nine defensive rebounds, that's that's 15 three steals, and four block shots in this one. So he he uh, did a lot in all of those minutes, even though he missed a lot, but he did a lot of other things too. Right, he definitely did. And then this was another good game from Frank. I want to keep shouting him out because he had a poor stretch, but he had 20 points in this game, was 7, 15 from, seven for 15 from the floor, and two for three from three. That's really nice. Absolutely. We... We cannot talk smack about Frank getting thrust back into a center role where we it seemed like we didn't want to do much of that this year. But there he is doing it again. No Baines, no Aiton. He's coming out. He played 32 minutes in this game. He's 
undersized against pretty much everyone he matches up against because it's just uh it seems like everybody has at least 20 pounds on him but he's holding his own yeah we've seen some foolish things happen some airballed free throws and that type of thing, but I mean, overall, some voice cracks, a, a very funny voice crack. That was hilarious. But yeah, Frank has done what we've needed him to do through this stretch. And, you know, we're, we're flirting with that 500 record and Aiton's almost back. So thank you, Frank. Yes. And thank you to Ricky Rubio who had 15 assists in this game. He's been awesome lately. Just moving the ball around, running the offense, he makes a huge difference. But if you're listening to this podcast, you know that already. Right. Yeah, he had, I don't know the exact stat, but it was 38 assists to three turnovers, a stretch of that. He had two games in a row with nine-plus nine assists and no turnovers. This guy's doing some great things for us, and I, it's the best I've seen since Steve Nash. <laughs> Not super hard to do, but no, yes, but definitely is. I can say that for once, finally. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, we'll move it on. Talk about the Rockets game quickly here. And it seems like we were beat by, of course, James Harden and his backcourt duo, duo member, Ben McLemore, who went for 27 <laughs> points. Oh, that hurts to look at. 27 points to Ben McLemore. Suns lose this one, 115-109. to 109. This was a tough game. We stayed in it till the end, which I'm happy with. But we just have to talk about Harden. Harden had an awful game, but he still had 34 points. He shot 3 for 17 from 3, but he was 15 for 18 from the free throw line. Oh, it's so frustrating. The way that he just throws his body into guys to get fouls drawn. And he got into a little bit of a, I don't want to say fight. I would call it more of a scrum or a tiff, if you will. But uh, he was driving down, throws his body awkwardly into Devin Booker, who's trying to play defense on a fast break for once. And Booker, I guess Booker kind of fouls him, but... Harden throws his body into him, and Booker grabs the ball while this is happening. They both go out of bounds. There's a whistle. Booker says, who knows what, but we all know that Devin Booker likes to talk trash. And Harden gets all upset, and it's like a cartoon almost. Like, the steam starts coming out of his ears, and his face turns red. His his eyes well up, and he pushes Devin Booker like a child on a playground. And the two had to be separated, but... It's just, no one wants to watch that. That was annoying. And I have to qualify this, though, because we were talking about Devin Booker having such a great game against the Pelicans. He was 13 for 13 from the line. He shot a lot of free throws in that game. So I understand Pelicans fans maybe being frustrated with that because we experienced it in the next game with Harden shooting 18 free throws. Well, Again, even in this one, Booker shot 16. That's two fewer than right. Harden, but he went 11 for 16. He missed five free throws in this game. When's the last time Devin Booker missed five free throws in a game? Never. That that hurts. Uh, as a team, we were 18 for 28 from the free throw line for 64%. But yeah, I want to go back to Harden still because this was so upsetting when you see a guy playing so poorly and then 
letting him get to the line make such a big impact on the game. You know, he didn't do anything great otherwise. Three for 17 from three-pointer. Eight for 27 from the floor overall. That's that's bad. It that's, is bad. It's that's horrible. So, that's too many shots to take, period. And then you let him get to the line on nine separate occasions or whatever it is. I don't know how many and ones there were, but it, it just burns me. That really burns me. And then Devin Booker, who goes 11 for 19 from the floor, much better than Harden, only shoots four three-pointers, two for four, though. He gets to the line for 16. Like, why not, if you're going to help someone out, why not help the guy who's actually playing well rather than (laughs) the jokester who needed to get to the line to do anything tonight, last night? Right, right. It's so, so, so frustrating. Um, Russell Westbrook had a good game, though. 24 points, 14 rebounds, 11 assists on 10 for 18 shooting. Surprisingly efficient Russell Russell Westbrook night. But we were letting him score. It seemed like the game plan was trap Harden, stop Harden, double-team Harden, stop Harden at all costs. We did pretty well at this for most of the game. He was really contained until the fourth quarter where he really started getting these calls. Right. Yeah, Russ did have a good one in this one, but I felt like we were we were almost giving the lane to him a little too much where, I mean, play a little defense and make him take a pull-up because he's going to miss that. He got to the rim really easily. That that kind of... I noticed that. that. That burned me a little bit. But yeah. he's still a great player. And obviously, Ben McElmore. I'm still mad about that, too. And that's I think that's the big difference. No he, one on their team does anything but Harden... Westbrook, and then Ben McElmore. Why you have to right. give up 27 to Ben McElmore? Mm-hmm. Five for nine from three. He hit five threes. That's tough. But at the same time, we stayed in this game. It was close. This would have been a blowout a year ago. Right. Booker Going... had 35 points. Yeah. Two and two on this road trip here this week. You you have to come away pretty happy with that. Uh, even though maybe we were expecting a win against the Magic, I, I still think we're that's excusable on this road trip. We're still in good good shape, and we'll talk about this week's games. And we're getting so close to DeAndre Ayton coming back, and I want to talk about that really quick because on our Suns. Saw something pretty encouraging today. Who knows if it's real because it's from Suns Throwaway 001. But, he's, <laughs> but if you go to reddit.com slash r slash Suns, check out the Suns subreddit. This was a post. It says, DA is eager to get back. And then he says, so I'm at work here at the arena and the Suns just wrapped practice. I saw DA walking out. I asked him, how's it going? And he just responded, Four more games, then it's judgment day for the league. Dude sounds so hyped to come back. I hope that's I hope that's true, man. I hope he just if he has the confidence, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for him to come in. I'm excited for him to come back. As far as this post goes, that sounds like something he would say, but it also sounds super fake. 
Well, yeah. Last year, at one point, he said he was about to take over, and he had a, a nice game or two after that, and then it was kind of meh for a good chunk. But no, I'm I'm excited. You know that if you're missing out and you're watching this team play 200% better than they were last year, you got to be eager to get back out there and help them out. Yeah, I, I'm excited for him to, to come back for sure. Right, let's just see some 20 and 10 games and no one will be saying a word about you in, in a poor fashion, DeAndre. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> so this next week, tonight, Monday night, against the Timberwolves at home. It sounds like Baines may be back for this one, which we're oh, really going so. to need if we're going to match up with Carl Anthony Towns again. Yes. We have beat the Timberwolves before. We know we can do this. And another thing to point out quickly here is we talked last week about how when we were playing the Pelicans, this was our second time playing them. So it would be interesting to see Monty Williams making any adjustments from that coaching standpoint. And we won that game. So... So far, so good. We're seeing the Wolves for the second time. I guess we've seen the Kings twice, but we won't talk about that here. <laughs> um, we're seeing the Wolves again, and we know that we can beat them. So hopefully we have Baines. That'll make a big difference. This one is at home, so hopefully that makes a difference as well. All right. And let's just keep it moving. This is another team that we've played already once this season, the Memphis Grizzlies. And we saw John Morant come to life late in that game. But I'm noticing that John Morant has not played the last few games. I wonder if he'll be back by this one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he is. John Morant has been good this season, though, if he is back. Brandon Clark has been quietly good this year. Go Zags. So, yeah. (laughs) I'm excited. You you just have to do that, don't (laughs) you? I do. I have to, yes. Um, But I think... I think this is going to be a win. I'm pretty confident about this one. All right. And then after that, the San Antonio Spurs. We haven't matched up with them yet this season here. And the Spurs right now, they're sitting in the 10th seed. So that's two seeds behind the good old Phoenix Suns. They're 9-14 and 14 on the year. This is great. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're, it is. They're, uh, what is this? They're two and eight on the road. They're four and six in their last ten. And is this the crumble? Is it gonna? Is this the year they don't make the playoffs? I'm, I, I'm just oh, so, so I'm so happy. I know. So last year I didn't think the Spurs would make the playoffs, and they somehow snuck in. I think this is going to be the year. And there's all these rumblings of, oh, is LaMarcus Aldridge going to get traded? Is DeMar DeRozan going to get traded? Please, please trade them. I Oh, I want to see them fall apart. But this game is actually in Mexico City. It's an early start time, so it's 3 p.m. on Saturday. I like these games. Devin Booker tends to play really well in these Mexico City games, too. So keep an eye out for that. But I think it's cool that the league does this. So... Uh, that'll be a good one. And this is also our our trivia, buy me dinner, trivia, wager question. We still don't have a good name for this. So if you have a catchy name for this, let us know. I'm still thinking about it. But friend of the show, Josh Cranwetter, at Josh Cran on Twitter, the man who needs no introduction but still gets a very long one anyway, who was playing Dungeons & Dragons earlier today. 
um, I had texted him about what should our question be, and he was in the middle of a D and D session. So some new horizons for for the old Jostridge. But his question for this week is: How many rebounds will Cam Johnson have in this game against the Spurs? All right. So feeling optimistic and knowing that this is one of the one of the last games that will be without both DeAndre Ayton and Aaron Baines. Who knows if Baines is back by then, but either way, if Cam Johnson's going to grab some rebounds before Ayton gets back, it's going to be in the Spurs game. I'm going with five. A big five. five. Okay. I'm going to go with four because he's averaging exactly three right now, and four is my favorite number. <laughs> that's all Four's I got. your favorite number yeah Four's i didn't know number. that why yeah. mm-hmm. um there's just a lot of places in my life where four pops up okay like that's cool thanks and things like that yeah i won't go into it <laughs> oh i'm keeping that in by the way that's okay yeah <laughs> that was good uh but yeah this game uh i'm really excited i hope we blow them out by 35 points and Booker gets to just go off in Mexico City again. Right. You know, I wish this was... It's technically a home game for us on the schedule, I believe. But yes, I, it I, is. I really wish this one were here because I'm I'm ready to yell at the Spurs. And oh, I know. Maybe this is one game where I would like to go back to our old seats behind the visitor bench, close to there, so I could yell at Pop and just heckle him a little bit. You know, we finally get a chance to do it. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, that would be. And it's also nice when we play the Spurs. And if Eli Okobo ever gets in, I love yelling that Okobo is the greatest French point guard in yep. the NBA ever. That's yep. always a fun one. Absolutely. But I'm not going to get to do that this year. Well, at least yet. So with that, let's move on to our non-sports section of the show. We are approaching the Christmas season. We are very close. What is one unconventional way that you celebrate, I'll keep it broad, just the holiday season in general? Okay, this is kind of a funny one. It's been happening, I think this has happened every year since my wife and I have been married. But shortly after we buy each other's Christmas gifts, we normally get so excited to give it to the other person that we do it like, a week or two before Christmas. It doesn't even get <laughs> close. And I it's almost become a tradition and I, I kind of like it. Hmm. So that's we, a good one. And then we'll just kind of have we'll be like, oh I guess this is a Christmas dinner and then we'll we'll make a little nice dinner and call it Christmas dinner. It's kind of fun. Well Moco Loco for Christmas dinner. Oh you know it. Oh <laughs> I might be on the menu tonight now that you Ooh, just bring it. it is Sunday night. <laughs> yep. I, All right. That's a good one, though. Um, My unconventional Christmas celebration is... A few people probably know about this already. Long-time listeners will remember I've plugged this album before. But I listen to a lot of heavy metal music, a lot of death metal, a lot of deathcore, metalcore, for the genre snobs out there. But my favorite band, August Burns Red, has a Christmas album called Sledden Hill. That's great. They also have a Christmas album or an EP that I believe is called Winter Wonderland. Uh, I put that on my record player today. It always gets me in the Christmas spirit, and it's got some pretty brutal breakdowns as well. 
Nice. And I feel like I have to hop in on this because uh, my favorite band, Wolfpack, just hinted that they might be putting out a Christmas album of sorts. And I know a lot of people have been wanting that because with their their style, that could make for some some fun yeah. Christmas music. That would be cool. And they put out a little preview and it was it was an animation and everyone who's ever been featured in a Wolfpack song along with the five main dudes in uh, Peanuts style, like Charlie Brown style animation. Yeah. It looks really cool. I, I hope it I hope it's gonna be a video because I, I'm excited about that. Christmas music by your favorite band? I mean Yeah, it's not great. much better than that. Yes. So also a reminder to go on Twitter and follow us at Sunny and PHX Pod for that wager question. I think I might have left this out. So at, at you know, let us know how many rebounds you think Cam Johnson is going to get, and we will shout you out on the next show. There's probably going to be a lot of threes coming in, if I had to guess. Probably. Might be a a few shout-outs for the next episode upcoming. That's okay. That's okay. I like doing them. Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. And as always, social media, once again, at Sunny and PHX Pod. Just say hi. We'll say hi back. Uh, The Suns, we're, we're two games under 500 as of recording. DeAndre Ayton is almost back. We're excited for that. Hopefully he's excited for that. It sounds like he is. And, yeah, this is fun Suns basketball. It's fun making this podcast. Uh, in the past, it got a little rough with all the losses. We've, we're so much better. It's Monty Williams. It's Devin Booker. He has help. It's Ricky Rubio. We it's got Kelly Uber. It's everybody. <laughs> Valley Boys, out. Out.